Um, next, we're going to have one of our, uh, Jensen's our long-term student. He's going to be here. Um, he's a sophomore now. We have him for at least two more years, praise God. Because saying goodbye to you guys is like the most depressing thing for me. You guys do not even know. Um, uh, but this is someone who I'm going to have to eventually say goodbye to, but I don't want to talk about that right now. Um, <laughs> uh, it's one of our exchange students, and she, she also became a student leader um, this semester just because of her faithfulness and just how God radically transformed her. And so let's just give a very warm welcome to our uh, beloved sister, my beloved daughter, Sarasa. Okay. Hi, my name is Sarah Sa. I am a senior right now from California. I'm actually a student. So my testimony is a little bit longer, but just bear with me because it's going to be good. So, all right, mine's a little more detailed. Okay. So I didn't grow up in a Christian family, but I grew up going to church with my brothers and family friends. I formally accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior in seventh grade. And ever since then, I've always been involved in church leadership. But I never really fully understood or grasped God's love for me. Uh, from a very young age, I had a legalistic view on Christianity um, and God's love. So I understood that there were things that I could do and things that I couldn't do, and those things would determine if I was a good child of God in God's eyes. Um, so my friends started to fall into peer pressure in high school. I naturally grabbed onto them, begging them not to drink, not to smoke, not to do drugs, because I thought that that would make them bad people in God's eyes. Um, so I thought I understood these things, but I really had no idea about God. Uh, in my junior year of high school, I had my first drink of alcohol and I smoked my first cigarette. I honestly had so much fun. Fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. On, I'm being honest. But from then on, um, everything changed. In the beginning, I still went out to church. And on the weekends, I'll go party with my friends and stuff like that. But on Sunday, I would um, go do leadership at church and things like that. Um, I became really good at hiding things. Um, uh, oh. Um, then I started to attend church less and less, and then um, finally altogether, my senior year of high school, I just stopped going out um, altogether. Um, my menta- mentality initially was I was too dirty to stand before God, so I thought, man, I don't want to even step into his presence. I don't want to be there if I'm like this, so I stopped going out. Um, and then from there, this is what I like to call the three years of darkness. Uh, that was, this is when it started in my life. So I began to drink more frequently and heavily, like every weekend, every Probably every other day I was at a bar or at a sujip or something, getting drunk. Uh, and on top, and so I picked up smoking cigarettes. I smoked weed. Uh, my drug of choice was ecstasy. And uh, and all this on top of that, I did like prescription drugs, but I shouldn't be doing them because they're not prescribed for me. So I did all this stuff, and so I got progressively worse every year. Um, many of you don't know this, but actually two years ago I was out here at Yonsei doing a summer program. I didn't even know Mace was here. Like, two years ago, I was totally different. I just came here to party. Didn't really go to school. But I was a totally different, per- per- the different person. Uh, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but my heart was definitely hardened um, to the point where I couldn't even, I can't even imagine, like, how it was like that back then. Um, and you guys wouldn't be able to recognize me either. Uh, yeah, I was so cold, but God was always with me even during those times of darkness. So for me, there wasn't some huge crazy event or some a miracle thingy that happened that made me uh, change and wake up. So God just spoke to me in a very very calm way, but in an awkward time in my life. So I was actually on ecstasy at my friend's house. I was super like messed up. And if you guys know from PE sermon a couple weeks ago, she shared about how when you're on ecstasy, like it's like a happy drug. Like 
you start loving everyone, you tell them you love them, you're just super excited and like in a good mood. But during when I was like at the peak, when I should have been like hugging people and loving them, I was actually sitting in a corner by myself and I started to think. And um, God started making me think these things. So I started looking around the room and I looked at my friends' faces and I started thinking, man, like, what am I doing here? Like, what are we doing? And I looked at my friends' faces and I was like, you guys look crazy. We look crazy. If someone came in here, they think we're crazy. So I, I, I don't know. I just felt mad depressed. So I remember going home and I just thought, I just slept for like the next 24 hours and I just decided like, you know, I have all these dreams and things that I want to pursue. I don't want to live my life like this anymore. I don't want to be doing drugs and like with little high school kids and stuff like that. So yeah, I made a commitment not to do that anymore. Um, yeah. So I did drugs and I got drunk because I thought it brought me joy, but I wasn't, uh, I thought I was truly happy. But once the drugs and alcohol went away and I woke up, I realized, man, I'm so depressed and so empty. I felt like nothing. And in that place of emptiness, I honestly didn't know what to do, but to go back out to church. Um, and as I began to go out to church, um, I found what I was looking for, something that never goes away. And when I, what I realized was that the joy that you find in the worldly things and the fleshly desires is so temporary, but the joy that you find from God is everlasting. Um, and so nothing in this world satisfies like God's love. And now I never hear, never, now I never stop hearing the words, you're so full of joy, you make me so happy, I love your smile. It's because I'm filled with the joy of the Lord and I can't help but let it out. All right, so pause. <laughs> this is where I was at when I just came out to Korea last February. So this was all fairly recent. And um, yeah, this was not too long ago. And this is probably the testimony that all my friends know because this is why I tell them that I used to do drugs and now I'm all good. So when I came here, I thought it was all good. Um, I had attended a retreat right before coming and dealt with all the pain that came for months of feeling shame and guilt after um, turning away from my past sins. So when I came to Yonsei, I got connected with the Mayus right away at orientation. I still meet, I remember meeting uh, Sarah Wan and Matt Kwan on the first day. Uh, and I remember getting called out on my first uh, Sunday at New Philly, getting prayed by uh, PE. And I remember signing up for like everything I could because I got so blessed. Uh, <laughs> And I remember going to large group, familia, and every other Mayus event and loving it all. And then I remember going to New Wine Retreat, which is a retreat from last semester. Um, I went with an expected heart, um, excited and ready to receive whatever God was going to give me. Um, but as soon as I got there, I, I remember I felt really sick. So most of you guys that were there, I remember me, like, I was sleeping majority of the time because I, I just got super sick. I couldn't do anything. Um, and it was to the point where I couldn't participate in any activities because I was sleeping, sleeping the whole time. And so what I want to say is this, you know, a lot of times the enemy tries to do whatever he can to hinder you or prevent you from fully receiving God's blessings, especially when he knows something big is about to happen. Um, and I say tries because he can try all he wants, but God, uh, but nothing can stop God. So, so Saturday night, the final night at retreat, PE begins to talk about something called healing and deliverance. And for those of you guys that don't know, it's when you, uh, you re- uh, confess, repent, and renounce of past sins that you have done um, in front of a witness that's usually a leader that can keep you accountable. And it's just a way, it's for you to really not carry those burdens, those sins anymore, and feel that tor- like that torment pain of, of feeling guilt and things like that. And so, um, yeah, so remember how I said I thought it was all good when I came out to Korea and I had dealt with my past sin? Yeah, so I thought that. So as P was speaking, God began to bring up um, this particular time in my life um, without going into too many details. Uh, I had a very traumatic experience with a really close friend of mine in my senior year of high school. And it let me it left me feeling so much shame and created deep scars that I never thought could get healed. Um, I was hurt complete and completely broken and affected um, all my relationships with other people. 
I remember my first day at Familia, uh, Sarah Juan had us do something called the Father's Ladder, where you choose five words that, um, you, that comes up to your mind when you think of the words uh, father, mother, and friends. So father and mother, it came really quick, like five words, whatever. But when it came to friends, like, I remember I, I was so shocked because I could only think of one word. And uh, so I shared, and the word was um, shallow. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, let me explain. So well, growing up, I was always used to having a lot of friends around me. I grew up, I didn't, I didn't have one group of friends. I had many group of friends. Um, I, I was so used to having friends around me, um, but I never, I never had one best friend. I never wanted a best friend, um, especially after that incident what, that happened. But even though I had many friends, all of my friendships were very shallow. They had no substance. Uh, it's sad to think about it now because when I, when I think about it, like I don't know, I don't really know anything about my friends back at home, and they don't really know anything about me. Um, I, cause I hated the word vulnerable. I didn't like getting too close to people. I was always good at giving advice to people, um, hearing out what they have to say, but I didn't like to share about myself. Uh, I didn't like getting too close to people, uh, because, um, I was afraid that at some point that incident would come and I, I would have to talk about it. And so that incident was always in the back of my head. Like every single time I was with a friend, when we start getting into deep conversation and then that's when I would just cut it off. And so, the reason why I couldn't share with my friends is because I wasn't confident enough that after uh, I would share something with them, that they would, I, that I would share that with them, they would look at me the same way. And so that's why I wasn't, uh, I couldn't share, and I didn't allow myself to trust anyone. So even immediately after the incident, God had brought it to my attention, and I tried to repent of it several times, but I felt so much shame. I couldn't even properly lay, properly lay down before God. So when I would go to retreat, and he would bring it up, I would pray, like, God, can you please forgive me of that thing? I would think about it. I wouldn't even say it. I would just say, you know that thing? Yeah, could you forgive me of that? But afterwards, I never felt peace. Um, so anyways, at the New Wine Retreat, P had an altar call for, um, for healing and deliverance and invited us to go to the side and lay whatever we needed once and for all before God um, with the help of the staff. Um, and I knew that God wanted me to repent of that finally because he, like, it was just, like, ringing in my head the whole time. Um, and so I knew, but I wanted, I asked God, like, God, can you give me some time? Because I'm a little nervous. It's a little hard. So I kind of like, was like, God, I'll do it, but just let me sit for a little bit. And then right then P gets on the mic and she's like, you guys, there's no need to wait. Just do it now. Right. And so I was like sitting there like, oh man, like, it's like, I heard a man's voice. It was God. Right. So I was like, all right. So so immediately I stood up and I went (laughs) and uh, I, I said, I stood up and I walked over to uh, to Eunice, and um, this was probably the, one of the hardest things I had to do in my life. Um, and Eunice is my witness because I, I think I stood there crying for like 35, 45 minutes. Just, I couldn't get the words out. Um, but, um, yeah, but I said it out loud with my own mouth um, to God, and let me tell you, I felt peace come upon me right away. I felt weight, like heavy weight immediately just go away. And remember I was saying I felt sick the whole time? I didn't feel sick at all. I was like, everything was like the best medicine ever. <laughs> and so, um, and what I couldn't get over was, was, was this. Um, you know, I was always afraid of the reaction when I would have to share that with someone. But Eunice really completely broke that off. Because as soon as I said it, man, I, she just smiled and was like, Jesus, thank you. And she gave me like the warmest hug ever. So I felt like, man, like God was embracing me right after. And then um, after we finished, um, Eunice looked at me and she's like, you know, Sarah, I wouldn't even take... Um, God, five minutes to start, um, for you to start seeing God moving in your life. And I was like, okay. And she said, I'm going to go pray for the people. And so she walked away. And as soon as I turned around, Pastor Mungo came and gave me a hug. So, and then when she gave me a hug, she was praying about other things, but she started to pray like, 
um, pro- prophesy over me. And every single thing that she said 100% that she prophesied over me directly connected what I just got delivered from. So it didn't even take God like 30 seconds because I just turned around and like it happened, you know? Um, yeah, and so... And I know that she did. It wasn't like she, Pastor Menga heard me speaking to Eunice because, like, I was Eunice probably could barely hear me because I was talking really quietly. So there's no way she heard me. So you know that's hundred percent God. Um, but after H and D, I knew I wasn't the same. You know, when you go from being in bondage and feeling constant shame um, into shame and fear to complete freedom and peace, there's no way you can be the same. Uh, people were constantly telling me that I looked physically different. Like people would come up to me and say, "Man, your your like face is shining, or you look so happy." Something like that. And I uh, I mean, like, and Eunice only that night called me a new creation. And there was even a time where she would call me NC Tongzeng, new creation Tongzeng, because that's how, that's how different I, I was. And so um, after the retreat, I was thrust into a season where God was establishing me in that new identity as a new, crea- um, a new creation. He restored my dignity. He took what the enemy had stolen, abused, and destroyed from me and made it something beautiful. He restored my relationships with people and showed me that relationship where he is at the center is unshakable. I made friends here in Korea and here in Emmaus um, that I know will be with me to the very end. We're going to be hip, harmony, and harbijis together. Yeah. Our grandkids are going to be homies. Um, I've had deeper and more intimate conversation with friends here in the past seven months than I did with my friends that I've known my whole life back at home. Uh, and he even gave me a best friend. <laughs> someone, someone could hear all this and think that I lived a pretty messed up life. But when I look back, all I see is God's grace. This testimony isn't just a story about my life. It's not about what I've done, but it's about what he's done. This is not my story. It's God's story. And the best part is, is it's not over yet. See, I'm a new creation. I am a new. I'm sharing this today with all of you because I believe that his grace is for you too. I'm telling you right now that God God loves Emmaus so much, and there's something special about Emmaus' retreats. For three and a half years in the States, I couldn't let that hurt go. But one and a half months here in Emmaus, I was set free. My spiritual life accelerated um, after retreat, and God opened so many doors. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I received the gift of tongues. I became a leader at New Philly, and I'm even a student leader here at Emmaus. And even last summer, I went on a missions with New Philly for the very first time in my life. For some of you, God might have brought something up to your um, t- God might have brought something to your attention while I was speaking, similar to what happened to me as retreat uh, as to me at retreat as P spoke. And you might even want to experience this kind of freedom um, that I'm talking about, but you're afraid. See, he doesn't want you to carry that burden anymore. He wants you to give it to him because it's not yours. Um, it's not you. And so I'll end with the wise words of my spiritual mama. There's no need to wait. Just do it now. Don't waste time, guys. <laughs>